What is happening, everyone? Welcome again to the latest Matt Russell Project. It's The Window, Canada's sports betting podcast. Ahead on today's episode of The Window, my good friend Ashish Barty rejoins the show for a breakdown of five conference tournaments that begin this weekend in college hoops. Some very good game theory stuff where it comes to gathering value anywhere from where it's best to take a one seed or to look deeper. There's a little reverse psychology involved. Uh, and we get into some stats as well with regards to some of these smaller conference schools. Of course, we'll recap the tournaments so far, as well as a 6-3 and three night on the regular season board from yesterday's picks. Uh, it's time to head to the window. Let's go. Thanks for joining the show, everybody. This is The Window, and I am your host, Matt Russell. Well, we start where we always do, and that's with our Don't Look Back in Anger segment. And we had thought we had started a revolution from our bed with the Washington State Cougars, only to have our soul slide away. Uh, Washington State, a 17-point, excuse me, a 15-point underdog, uh, two-point lead at halftime, patting ourselves on the back for making Washington State our favorite play of the, of the night, uh, only to have them get absolutely blown out in the second half. They end up losing by more than 20. So our 17-point cushion that we had going into the second half was just wiped out by the Arizona Wildcats. As far as the Arizona Wildcats are concerned, obviously an incredible second half, 50-plus points, um, when they get things going, it is a machine. Unfortunately for them, they only seem to get things going about one half out of every three or four games, and that's probably not going to suffice come tournament time. That being said, there's a lot of high hopes for them out there. Uh, of a similar vein earlier in the night, Nebraska plus 17 themselves down by four at the half, get absolutely blown out in the second half as well. And that was two of only three losses on the night on the regular season board as we go six and three. So not a ton to complain about, but you really wonder about these second halves from teams, uh, you know, that are competing and playing step for step with the better team in the first half. Of course, in one case, even leading. And then it just goes absolutely down the drain uh, after that. And so, you know, you sort of wonder going forward is this a thing where we just should be only playing these teams in the first half? Uh, you know, I'm not going to say, I'm going to be the, you know, the guy who says, you know, I don't remember a year like this where all these, you know, large underdogs did so well in the first half and then, you know, never covered. But it does seem a bit of a statistical anomaly because it almost seems to happen on every single night. I understand if they get blown out right from the start and it's just a bad play, but you can see where these teams can compete and can stay with, you know, their quote unquote better opponent, uh, you know, for the course of 20 minutes. It's just once it extends to 40 minutes, it's really incredible how quickly they melt and fall apart like that. So a couple of uh, rough losses for all the world seemed like we could be eight and one uh, and have a really big night. Uh, thankfully avoided uh, a couple of pitfalls as well as both Arizona State got knocked off uh, by Washington uh, as well as Illinois, who we would have had 
you know, at plus six and a half. Fortunately, that line move took us off Illinois, and they, for all the world, looked like they were going to knock off Ohio State. Uh, but Ohio State ends up pulling away late in the second half of that one to get the cover as well. A uh, bit of a missed opportunity potentially on Connecticut, though our numbers lined up with Houston minus two. Uh, I certainly was leaning to uh, UConn, and, you know, just unfortunate that we didn't get a better number to really pull the trigger with. As for the conference tournament action, again, another up and down day. We are struggling a little bit to get some momentum going in the conference tournaments. Uh, was able to take advantage of a live line. Again, if you're following along on Twitter, I'll post these whenever I can. At authentic. Uh, we had Gardner-Webb in some middle-of-the-afternoon action. Uh, they were five-and-a-half-point favorites. They got down four points in the second half, took the opportunity to grab them live uh, on the money line at even money, uh, attached them as well to a money line parlay with Colgate and Utah State. Uh, fortunately, Utah State got there in the end. That looked for all the world like they might blow. Uh, yet another game against New Mexico and knock themselves out of both the Mountain West tournament and what would have been the NCAA tournament. So they keep their hopes alive for an NCAA bid and, of course, the championship in the Mountain West. Way too much of a sweat for our liking uh, in that one. Uh, elsewhere in the Mountain West, again, and this is right now the sort of story of the early conference tournament season, and I don't know how much longer it's going to last, but the Wyoming Cowboys, who won two games out of 18 throughout the Mountain West Conference season, have won two out of two in the tournament. And both double-digit underdogs as they knock off Nevada, coming from behind. Nevada, minus 10. We were on that. 10-point lead at halftime. So yet another scenario where we probably should have just bet the first half at minus 5, minus 5.5, something along those lines. And uh, yeah, for look, looked like, yeah, Wyoming coming back down to, you know, their normal level and yada, yada, yada. And then all of a sudden, just a late run gets Wyoming the lead. And from there, Nevada was shell-shocked and couldn't do anything beyond that. So for the second straight day, Wyoming knocks out a team that we talked about being a potential dark horse in that Mountain West tournament. Uh, again, we went with Utah State. Not that yesterday's game gave us a ton of confidence there, but at least Utah State moves on to the semifinals where they play Wyoming. And I might sound like a broken record here, but I'm pretty sure Wyoming's not very good. The They of the dead last in the league. And I'm pretty sure Utah State is going to advance to the finals where I assume they will be playing San Diego State and get that matchup that we all hoped for uh, for Saturday. So, um, again, a little dicey with Utah State there. Uh, over in the Valley, the Missouri Valley got kicked off, and we had a nice little Drake-Valpo Moneyline parlay. And the sort of irony here is that we had parlayed them together because we felt Valpo would have an easy time, and we wanted to get Drake down to a more reasonable price on the money line. Well, the exact opposite happened. Drake had the relatively easy time of it with Illinois State, and Valpo struggled for all the world with uh, Evansville. And uh, so you never know sort of how these things are going to go down. Uh, again, I always am a little bit comforted when one of the teams doesn't cover so that I don't feel like I should have just taken 
uh, or I should say given the points with both those teams. So that actually worked out as best it could. Uh, we had a split late in the night with the West Coast Conference. Santa Clara covers the seven points quite easily, but a disappointing showing from San Diego uh, as the money line didn't come close to getting there as Loyola Marymount got the win between two teams that are pretty bad in the West Coast conference uh looking elsewhere across the board the big surprise in the atlantic sun north florida loses and that was unfortunate because i had paired them up with green bay who actually did win which is good for us as we move green bay into the semifinals as they now go into a neutral site to take on northern kentucky uh elsewhere in the horizon league disappointing showing from youngstown state as we hoped they could knock off U of Illinois Chicago on the road so Chicago now goes to face Wright State again in Indianapolis in the semifinals of the Horizon League uh, that restarts on uh, I believe Sunday so uh, as for the Ohio Valley Conference 0 for 2 in the Ohio Valley Conference after a 2-0 and start there uh, disappointment in uh, from Tennessee State looked like they were the better team for much of that game but then the second half got absolutely blown out so again these second halves just keep sort of popping up and i realize that this is just sort of a you know small sample size statistical regression or or variance type of a thing where these second halves are kind of you know jamming us up here that being said it's always worth sort of evaluating these games after they happen you know it's it's more than just did they win or did they lose. It's what happened in the game, right? Would you bet Washington State plus 15 again? Yeah, I would. I would. Would I look to them maybe in the first half? You know, obviously hindsight being 2020, sure. So, you know, you look at all these games that were covered quite comfortably in the first half that fell apart in the second half. And, you know, again, if you can gather enough of a sample size here and you can look at this you know from a big picture standpoint instead of just kind of you know taking the small sample size and overreacting to it you know that's what will make us better uh, down down the run so uh that's uh, pretty much the summation of uh last night's action not a ton to talk about with regards to other um, major conference games we did end up going two and one in our uh sort of sub contest with regards to Montana, Montana State, and uh, Eastern Washington. Uh, Eastern Washington, as expected, complete blowout in that one. Montana State gets the win, but we did lose with Montana. Uh, all credit to Northern Colorado for going on the road. We talked about how this is a tough road trip to end their season and that it was sort of the missing piece on their schedule, um, you know, potentially having their record inflated by the fact that they hadn't had to go on this Montana, Montana State road trip. Um, but they go and they get the road win uh, in impressive fashion there, um, essentially, you know, just about wire to wire. So, you know, you tip your cap, you give them credit. So we go two and one uh, out there. And, uh, you know, we'll look, we'll look at that closer once the tournament starts. And this maybe might, you know, could possibly be the end of the Montana domination era. Uh, again, I'm of the opinion that Eastern Washington is the best team in that conference, but a road win for Northern Colorado there, you know, sort of makes my eyebrows sort of perk up and uh, that they might be worth a look 
to take Eastern Washington down. But we'll cross that bridge when we get to it next week. In the Big West, we also did well with Long Beach State. A bit of a roller coaster ride there as they were leading for much of that game, only to fall apart. But fortunately, we got five more minutes of uh, overtime and they ended up covering in the OT by uh, two or three points there. Uh, Memphis also got a win at home, expected after Wichita State had sort of shown that, you know, while they were certainly capable of making a comeback win against SMU, a second straight road game against a pretty similar team, uh, you know, was in fact a daunting task, and Memphis won that one comfortably. So um, plenty of good wins there. Oregon State as well with minus one. We were sort of worried that, you know, we had too many sort of short favorites with Montana State, Oregon State, Memphis, and Montana as minus one, minus twos there. Fortunately, went three and one in those. So all in all, all the different sort of subsets kind of paid off with the exception of the big underdogs. And like I said, you know, both of those looked like they were relatively comfortable. So we'll take a quick break here. Um, we have a interview. Uh, my good friend Ashish Barty joined us again. He was on the show a couple days ago talking about, uh, you know, four of the tournaments that have started over the last couple of days. We're going to break down five new tournaments. Uh, he's got the America East. He's got the Summit League. I've got the Sunbelt, I've got the Colonial, and I've got the SoCon. So we were able to tape that last night, and that's a fun little chat. So when we come back, we're going to do regular season games for tonight, and then we're going to talk to him about the conference tournaments coming up. And then after that, we will do conference tournaments game. Excuse me, conference tournament games for tonight. So we're going to get all that started after these messages. Do you run your own company or promote your business through Instagram, Facebook, or other social media platforms? Are you struggling to grow your following or build your brand? Posting simple pictures, inspirational quotes, or amateur selfie videos don't really do the trick anymore. Studies show that 82% of people simply scroll by videos that don't have any subtitles, and the remaining 18% usually don't stay for long if your content isn't stimulating or entertaining. Contact Hundo P Productions to help you boost your brand and get to the next level of video marketing. Reach them at www.hundopproductions.com or at hundopprod on Instagram. Don't just post, inspire. Okay, let's get into Friday's regular season board. Not a ton on the schedule as usual on a Friday. Uh, with regards to regular season action, we have a ton from the MAC, though. Finales all across the board there. Not a ton of great spots with regards to, you know, what teams need or don't need. Uh, all 12 teams make the MAC tournament that begins on Monday. Uh, four, top four get a top, uh, get a buy, I should say, into uh, the quarterfinals. So there's sort of some motivation to get there. Uh, there's two divisions in this conference, so it's not even like necessarily a league title is all that up for grabs. I will say, though, with our first game, uh, Kent at Akron. Uh, Akron is in the lead uh, in their division in the conference, so you know you could make the case that they are going for sort of that regular season conference title as they could have the outright best uh, record here. Uh, I made the number seven and a half. The number's five and a half right now. I think that's enough for me to make a play on Akron here. 
uh, final home game of the regular season, and so on and so forth. Uh, played Kent earlier this season, came down to a you know late layup and a one-point win for Kent. So this is actually somewhat of a revenge spot as well for Akron. So I could see them, um, you know, having to deal with. Uh, they had to deal with a like full house crowd at Kent earlier this season. I expect the you know reverse uh, for Akron here. You know, very excited home crowd, uh, good high energy, and I think Akron wins by enough to cover this number. Uh, elsewhere in the MAC, Eastern Michigan at Toledo. Uh, I've got the number a little bit short of where it is right now, but it's headed in the opposite direction of me, which can be a little concerning. I made the number three and a half. It opened five and a half, and it's actually up to six here. So there's going to be a couple of numbers here in this MAC conference that sort of give us some pause. Uh, similarly, Western Michigan at Central Michigan. Uh, I made the number three and a half for Central Michigan. It was six and has moved to seven. So with, again, these sorts of conferences that are, you know, kind of tough reads as far as, you know, news, injuries, anything like that, where if a number moves on a game for the MAC, you know, somebody knows something or somebody's got a pretty good angle and I'm willing to sort of trust that they, you know, have some information uh, that I don't necessarily, you know, on the surface, the idea that Central Michigan would be a seven-point favorite against anybody in that league seems a, a little dicey in that they've won basically one game uh, since January. So, you know, some something a little bit, I don't want to say fishy because that gives sort of a, a different connotation, but um, just a little bit something off that's going to have me stay away from that game. Uh, I will hop on Miami of Ohio. They are at home tonight against Ohio of Ohio. Uh, I've got this number closer to like the four, four and a half, five range. Uh, lined open at two and moved to one. Um, but I'm willing to take a shot here at home with Miami of Ohio uh, minus the one. Uh, of a similar vein, uh, Buffalo at Bowling Green. Uh, Bowling Green got Buffalo uh, by a point at Buffalo. Um, and full strength, I think Bowling Green is the better team here. So I made the number three and a half for four. It's uh, two, two and a half right now. That's enough for me to take Bowling Green. So three plays in the MAC right there. Uh, no play on the Ball State Northern Illinois game. I've got Northern Illinois as a one-point favorite. It opened two and has dipped back closer to me at one and a half. So nothing for me there. Over in the other MAC, the MAC with two A's, Niagara is up against Canisius. I made the number seven and a half. It opened five and a half and has moved towards me at six. No play for me there. I'll make a play on Monmouth tonight at minus one. I made them two and a half point favorites at home to Siena. Siena has found their way a little bit on the road here lately, but I think this is a spot where Monmouth gets it done in another you know, regular season finale here in the Metro Athletic Conference. Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference, I should say. Uh, so Monmouth minus one there. Fairfield at Manhattan in the same conference. I've got Manhattan as a four-point favorite. The number opened five and a half, but has come back towards me at four and a half. So no play for me there. And then there's Iona and St. Peter's. Similar story. I made the number four and a half. The number opened four and is now at my number of four and a half. So nothing there. Two random games in the ACC tonight. You never see that. Friday night ACC action. Unfortunately for those who would like to watch with something on it. I don't really have anything for you here. I made NC State an eight and a half point favorite. The number opened seven and a half. Uh, it's up to eight. Though I actually would lean Wake Forest, but I'm not going to do so without any sort of value there 
or a strong lean. And Georgia Tech at Clemson, I made the number four, and the number is four there as well. So that's pretty much, uh, you know, right in line with my projection. So no play for me in the ACC. Uh, of course, Friday night means Ivy League action. Their tournament doesn't get going, of course, uh, until a full week from now. That being said, uh, Columbia at Princeton. I made the number eight. Number's 11.5 for Princeton, but that's not going to be enough for me to just start taking Columbia here. Uh, certainly a team that's playing out the string with no chance at reaching the top four, which is where the cutoff is for the abbreviated Ivy League tournament. Yale is at Dartmouth. I've got Yale as five and a half point favorites. It's seven for Yale, or I should say it opened at seven and has moved towards me at now at six and a half. So I mean a tiny bit of value on Dartmouth there, but not enough for me to necessarily bet it. The real strange one, I shouldn't say it's that strange, but it's a little bit more off the number than I thought it was going to be. Brown at Harvard tonight. Harvard is a seven and a half point favorite. Brown already has a win this season over Harvard. And the number is ten and a half, which to me is too high, but... Uh, I think I'm steering clear of all Ivy League action tonight, um, especially with a lot on the line here for many of these teams as they try to jump up uh, into the top four for the uh, tournament. Cornell at Penn. Uh, nothing to talk about here. I made Penn a 10-point favorite. They're a 12-point favorite. Uh, that's not enough for me to lean to Cornell here for any reason whatsoever. Uh, and that's it for the Ivy League. couple A-10 games as per usual in the uh, on a Friday night, Richmond at Duquesne. I made the number two and a half uh, Richmond for uh, Road Dogs for Richmond. Uh, Duquesne actually opened the one-point favor, but that has since swung across Pickham and is now Richmond minus one. So it's headed my way with regards to Richmond being a short favorite. So no play for me there. And then VCU at Davidson. We are very close to getting to say goodbye to this VCU team. Uh, and frankly, this Davidson team. Both teams underachieved quite a bit this season. Uh, I made the number two and a half for Davidson here. It's three and a half and open three and a half. And it's actually moved to four for Davidson. I understand that. VCU has seen their season go right down the toilet after an early season win at LSU. Uh, gave them hope that they would be a potential contender not only for the A-10 championship, but also an at-large bid in the NCAA tournament. That's not happening for VCU, so now their only chance to make the tournament is a run to the championship in the conference tournament next week, uh, and with you know plenty of good teams in the A-10 that will likely knock them off. Uh, they also, of course, have Dayton <laughs> in there as well, and best of luck against Dayton. Uh, so that's it for the board for me. Just a few plays there. Uh, when we come back, it's our chat with Ashish, uh, round two for us, and the uh, five conferences that start this week with regards to their tournament, this weekend, I should say. Uh, we will chat with him for a bit and, uh, and get some conference tournament plays for Friday. That's all happening after this quick break. All right, guess who's back? Back again. Ashish is back. Tell a friend. Let's see if we can get him on the line here. What up, Matty Ross? What is <laughs> How up? are you, sir? You so well, we didn't man. scare you away. Again. No, man. Yeah, no. Like... I had a good taste, and I'm back for more. <laughs> yeah, the adrenaline. Just the <laughs> adrenaline of podcasting has has brought you back you're yeah. you're scratching your neck like dave Chappelle. Need more. <laughs> yeah <laughs> ten thousand dollar crack giveaway <laughs> yeah exactly so in uh 
Thursday's pod, yeah. uh, I told the story of us feeling like we needed to order a tuna fish in rye. Okay. Uh, George okay. Costanza. Yeah. <laughs> because, yeah. uh, full disclosure, things have not gone particularly well for us <laughs> yet, I'm going to yeah. say. Yeah. Yet. Um, but at least the tuna fish on rye got us a couple of covers, which was better than yeah. the first day. Um, it's which is funny because like we're both toggling between these small conference games, you know, on these league website feeds. Like I've got my iPad open and of course oh, yeah. we don't, for those who don't know, like in Canada coverage of the NCAA hoops can be a little sparse from time to time. So we have access to games on ESPN with a special package, but ESPN plus is blocked. So there's like these tiers of availability, you know, there's big games that we have access to because we get these you know, ESPN games SEC network and ACC network and that sort of thing. But then there's this middle tier of games on CBS Sportsnet and uh, ESPN Plus where a lot of these small conferences reside. So a lot of times we end up having to, you know, sort of follow along on the app. And then there's this deep lower level of small conferences that don't rate high enough for ESPN, which you know, some, they have this special place in our heart because we can look them up on online. And so we were just talking about off air about how it was nice to have afternoon games to follow. And so yesterday, the first round of the Mountain West games didn't rate to get put on a legit channel, but they were in the league site. So I fired that up through the web browser on my main TV and Emily walks in and I'm like all proud of the feed <laughs> and how good it was on my tv because i was like i'm like hey check out check out the feed she's like yeah and i was like mountain mountainwestconference.com yeah what's up that was my first time on the northeast conference uh front row app watching games last night as well (laughs) yeah exactly nec front row is strangely fun and they don't have commercials and they just like it's just a wide shot the entire time. They just show like a referee standing there with the ball for about three minutes in between the commercial breaks. So anyway, so she, so I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm all proud about the, the TV having, you know, through the web browser, having uh, the mountain West games on. And so I finished watching the first game, the air force game. When we start watching something else, she's like, you don't want to watch that. The second game coming up. I'm like, Oh, it's half hour away. And so I, you know, after we're done watching, you know, whatever show we were watching, I flip over. I'm like, oh, I'm just going to check the score. So I, you know, flip over to the web browser and, and, you know, I had to switch feeds, right? Because it just sort of ends. And then I was switching feeds. But the way I was doing it was through like their Twitter feed. And so, you know, and like if you watch a video, like a quote unquote live video through Twitter, it tells you how many people are watching. Yeah. <laughs> you know I what I mean? Know. I don't want <laughs> so, <laughs> so she just turns to me as I'm like about to click on it. And she turns to me and she goes, 52? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, and I know exactly what she's talking about because it literally says 52 people are watching this feed. And and I'm like, I get defensive and I'm like, like, well, like that's through the Twitter link. Like if you went directly to the website, I'm sure more than 52. Maybe triple digits. Yeah, Yeah, I literally said the exact same thing. I literally said, you know, it'll be upwards into the triple digits. That's 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 fine. So today was a bit of a bummer because the quarterfinals in the Mountain West ranked high enough to get actual cable uh, CBS Sportsnet in the states, so we didn't have any access to watching those. So it was kind of a bummer that even though, you know, I got a taste of it yesterday with my sick 
Mountain West Twitter feed, like feed on my TV. And today there was just nothing. Though we did have a pretty good afternoon with a couple of wins uh, against the spread. At any rate, that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about five more conferences that get started this weekend. And so you are in charge of and the captain of what the American East and the Summit. I've got... Uh, I've got the Sun Belt, I've got the Colonial, and I've got my sort of own personal favorite, even if there's not a ton to talk about with regards to it, the SoCon. So, I'm excited for that. I want to know what you're thinking, because I've, I've been in the charge of that one in years past, so I'm excited <laughs> for that. That's true. We like to switch it up every year and yeah. sort of, you know, keep things fresh, as yeah. they say. And thank uh, you for giving me the Summit League this year, which is always the mind bleep of uh, the, this conference tournament. <laughs> you're welcome. You're welcome. I'm looking forward to, looking forward to getting your takes on the uh, Summit. But I think we'll start with the America East yeah, because we might sure. as well get the easiest one done, I think. I think we're not going too out of our way here in picking the champion, or are we? No, I mean, no. I hate to say it, and I, th- I think it's going to be a fan favorite, uh, Vermont, in uh, the America East. And I mean, like I said, I, th- I think it's going to be Chalk City in uh, the America East for most of it. I mean, I'm hoping to find, um, you know, a nice spread for us to go. Um, even if we take the favorite to win, hopefully if we can find you know, a seven and a half or eight and a half spread that might, you know, feel good. We take the underdog at least for, uh, do you have them? Do you have them making the final against Stony Brook? Yes. Yes. Yeah. That seems like the sort of closest thing to, uh, to, you know, as any sort of competition, this is very much like the Atlantic sun, I think. Right. Where it's like, you really like to find something (laughs) other than Liberty and then you dare talk yourself into North Florida That's and then North Florida loses to Lipscomb, which is yeah. we, we sort of foreshadowed uh, when we were talking about that conference. Cause we're like, yeah. you know, we, we and, could uh, take North Florida, but that wouldn't have worked <laughs> no, out. Lipscomb was the team I was scared about. That's really what talked me out of North Florida's uh, taking them. So, yeah. well, and obviously Liberty being huge phase, but uh, yeah. anyways, and so the America East, I mean, nothing exciting, not a huge, stress i would say i think we take vermont and just you know go yeah, with vermont's the, gonna be like a 30 point favorite against maine yeah <laughs> like, and i mean i don't know if your listeners you know in doing extra research about you know this conference i mean hearing their whole story about uh one of their top recruits five years ago uh jason uh, spidell who had the if you don't know had a traumatic brain injury you know going yeah, i don't know much about this okay so quick i'll say it quickly but uh he was basically out of high school out of Indiana, one of the top like three-star recruit, um, committed to going to Vermont. Um, I guess about weeks later, gets into a pretty vicious car accident, gets a traumatic brain injury. Uh, his family didn't even think he'd get through it. I mean, he was, you know, I, I work in rehab, as you know, and so it, it, it hit me it hit me in the field. I was watching the videos. <laughs> but anyways, um, so on senior night last week, you know, uh, this happened five years ago. It was his first time suiting up for Vermont. They got him to start the game. He did warm-ups, huge oh, affair, okay. and they did a predetermined play. Um, so he legitimately scored a bucket to start the game. Nice. And it was like he gave, like, you know, the, the, the big timeout. He gave every single man on the court a high five, every player, every coach. It was like pretty emotional, a family, you know, the crowd's sure. going crazy. So it, uh, it was pretty cool. So that just, uh, 
you know, made me have some extra love for that team that they did that for him. Sure. Sure. Now I feel there. now I feel bad about having my little Jimmy segment from yesterday's podcast. Where <laughs> <laughs> he does not qualify as a little Jimmy. This is this is a real player. He just no, no, have, pretty cool. uh, he just happened to have uh, you know pretty catastrophic injury. That's the type of thing that is like that storybook thing that's going to be told when they make the Sweet Sixteen. You know, 100%. like when they knock 100%. some team off as a 13 seed, you know, and of course, yeah. everybody knows Vermont is pretty lethal and, you know, could knock off a, you know, four or five seed or something along those lines and, you know, maybe sneak into the Sweet 16. And then you're going to, you know, get that feature, you know, that game Absolutely. will be played like the Saturday afternoon game and there's a whole pregame show and that's going to be the feature, yeah. like the sort of tearjerker. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. they, his quote after the game was, you know, I'm a college basketball player and I'm in the stat books. He's yeah. like, I considered, I considered missing the layup to get a rebound, but I thought <laughs> shooting 100% for my college career yeah. would be better. It's kind of cool. So not only are you advancing them into the finals, taking them to win the tournament, you have already oh, advanced final them. Four, for sure. <laughs> you've, final already, four. you've already advanced <laughs> them two rounds in your bracket without <laughs> yeah. knowing or caring about the matchups. And if there was ever a year where they probably could knock off a four and a five seed, this might be the year. So let's hope. In the 4-5, the illustrious 4-5 matchup, New Hampshire and UMBC, I've had nothing yes. but curse words to say at UMBC over the last few weeks. Uh, you know, where do you have that game? Uh, I mean, I think it'll be a short line. I think, unfortunately, uh, UMBC will be favored in that game. You think so? Okay. I think, yeah, and I think that will be our pick, but... We'll see when the lines come out, and if, mm-hmm. if I'm wrong, I mean, uh, we'll we'll figure that out before we submit yeah. tomorrow night. No, I think I think you're probably right. I think they'll probably be a short favorite in that. Yeah. Let's switch over to the SoCon. Okay, let's uh, do it. Of of yours of years past, mine this year, and I don't know if I meant to do this or whether it was just by accident, but the SoCon features my favorite mid-major team, East Tennessee State. If anybody's been following along with this, they know I have East Tennessee State at a robust 1,000 to 1 to win the NCAA tournament. Uh, They actually have currently dropped their odds to 100 to 1. So value city in that department. I don't know that they need to win this tournament first. They have a road win at LSU and obviously a, just a gaudy record. So even if they lost in the finals, for instance, I think they still get in the tournament as an at-large, which would be pretty big for the SOCON. Uh, returning five starters from last year, they were the favorite going into the, into the league this year and did basically nothing to disappoint. Uh, even lost their best player for the vast majority of league play. He's back. Uh, he's played a couple of games They've kept his minutes low. He's played eight minutes and 12 minutes, I believe it is. So I think they use this tournament to sort of get him back into, you know, actual game shape. Uh, Not having to play until Saturday is probably pretty good. So I'll be looking at his minutes. Uh, Jeremy Rodriguez, I should probably mention the man's name. Uh, I'll be looking at his minutes throughout the course of the tournament. And ideally, you know, if they get him up to 20 plus minutes, uh, you know, that would be ideal for them. Uh, as far as the actual SOCON tournament itself, they, I don't want to say they lucked out. This is just sort of how this kind of thing works. They, by definition of winning the league, you know, obviously avoid the second and third best teams in the league. And this is really a three-team league, right? So there's a pretty big drop-off from, 
East Tennessee State, you know, UNC Greensboro and Furman. And then it really, really falls off. The fourth best team is actually the five seed, and that's Western Carolina. And Western Carolina, good record this year, but literally 0-6 against those three teams above them. So they're sort of the best of the rest, so to speak, though they did end up as the five seed, not the four seed, even though that's pretty much meaningless in a uh, neutral court tournament such as this. So for me, pretty easy to just roll with East Tennessee State as I do think that they're better. And I wouldn't be able to pick between Furman and Greensboro, even in that game. You know, I think that's pretty close to a pick em line. Uh, Furman, very much an outside shooting team. So, you know, they could get hot at any given moment. And they would be the team that I'd actually be more afraid of if East Tennessee State met them in the finals, just because, you know, the team shoots 50% from three on you and buries like 14 of them. You're pretty much in trouble no matter what. So... East Tennessee State, pretty much an easy call for me there. Uh, As for Friday's games, so this is a 10-team tournament, and the 8-9 game is Sanford and VMI. Uh, They both, you know, they recently played each other, and I think just VMI is by far the better team in this one. I do expect a line to, the line to, you know, show that. So not necessarily sure that VMI is going to be a play for me against the spread. Uh, right now, it looks like it's going to be about a four-point spread. So actually, I probably would. The four is probably enough for me there. I would have had it at closer to five and a half, six. Um, Samford, just an absolutely atrocious team away from home. Show a little bit of fight from, you know, at home. I think this, you know, being a neutral site, that's probably closer to a road game feel for them. And uh, VMI, certainly the play for me, even though they're actually the nine seed. So nine seed over an eight, but they're favored by four points. Uh, I think that'll be a pretty popular pick with, with regards to the contest. Um, but it will be a pick for me, ATS, as well. And then in the other game, uh, seven and ten, Wofford and Citadel. Everybody remembers, of course, Wofford for making the second round last year in the tournament. And they're... That run, by and large, is why we don't know more about East Tennessee State because Wofford was so dominant, just raining threes on people. Well, their coach moved on to Virginia Tech and they lost their best shooter, and they've actually fallen to seventh in the league. But that has put them also in that Furman Greensboro half, right? Mm -hmm. So they could have ended up, you know, maybe they end up eighth, if they end up fifth, right? That would have maybe presented an issue for East Tennessee State in the semifinals, but instead, you know, Furman has to deal with Wofford in the quarterfinals, which again, not necessarily the same team this year, uh, but still dangerous nonetheless. And they're actually 14 and a half point favorites in that game against Citadel. So you don't often see the seven ten game yeah. resulting in a 14 and a half point spread. So not much of a decision there with regards to Wofford. And, uh, and like I said, I think VMI is the right call, uh, even though it's probably going to be a pretty popular one there. Um, we'll deal with UNC Greensboro and Furman, you know, when we have to. Okay, I was just, uh, I was just about to put you uh, at gunpoint and say, okay, Furman, <laughs> Greensboro, semifinal, who do you pick today? <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, I lean to sort of trusting the better offense in a game where like I think UNC Greensboro has like a below average offense Mm -hmm. if they had an average offense then I'd be like okay you know uh, the median for sort of what I can expect out of them offensively is lower than 
you know, I'd be willing, you know, I'd be hoping for. So uh, I imagine Furman will probably be favored by three, four points in that one. Um, but again, it, that one will, you know, kind of really depend on what the line is, right? If you make that line, you know, five, six, seven and po- points, like I'll, I'll take UNC Greensboro and hope, you know, they shut them down to a degree, right? Um, and it, I don't think Greensboro has any issues with Chattanooga either. And uh, the game I'm actually interested in seeing what the line actually is, is the Western Carolina Mercer 4-5 game, because I like Western Carolina a lot in that game. As I mentioned, you know, six of their losses are against that upper echelon of the league. So, you know, obviously their record against that bottom half is is pretty good. So uh, as the five seed, you know, you wonder maybe they might, you know, be sort of devalued in a little bit there. And I think Western Carolina will be a play that we will probably be on come Saturday. So that's it for me from the SoCon. Not a ton that's too spicy in that department, but wait until you get a load of the Colonial Athletic. Are you ready for this, my friend? You know it. I'm here. Okay. So here's the thing with the Colonial Athletic. It's like bizarro world here because you've got the second best team in the league is the sixth seed. Okay. And the like sixth best team in the league is the second seed. So right there, I would say in years past, you know, we sort of circle Northeastern, who is the sixth seed, and we take them, right? Because mm-hmm. you go, okay, like, you know, obviously, like, juiced up seeding, that's, you know, totally a play that we would make nine times out of ten. Here's the thing. So they're sort of where I started, and you don't often start with the sixth seed. And, yeah. but, but they're a really bizarre team. They were the preseason pick to actually win the league. Okay. And then they got the surprise like leap from a kid named Jordan Rowland, who's averaging 22 points per game. Like they did not really see this coming. Certainly not 22 points a game. Like he'd been on the team for a year after transferring and, you know, played pretty well in that first year, but like 22 points, like that's a pretty big surprise. So you're the preseason pick to win the league. You get a surprise showing from you know, where you didn't think you would have like a, you know, leading score like this. And his splits are just ridiculous, like 40% three point shooter, 50% from the sure, field, sure. you know, free throws, whatever, whatever. And yet they finished nine and nine in the league. And so you're just like, well, how is that possible? They had the third best point differential. I want to read you their losses this year. This is... <laughs> I'm looking at the BPIs right now as well. So. <laughs> right. So, so this is, these are their losses, but like they're, the spreads with which they've lo- they lost. Two, 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 <laughs> one, five, four, and three. Those are eight yeah. of their losses. All my yeah. And I went through their game. What is their free throw percentage? That's just another that's the first thing that pops out. What is their free throw well, percentage? Well, it's actually not bad. But the thing is, okay. so I, like, I went through, I, I went through their game, like their game flow, and they would lose by two in every which way you could possibly lose by two. Yeah. They would blow a big lead. 
they would have a huge comeback. They would lose at, like on a buzzer beater. They would lose in a game that was like within two points the entire way. It was there was never one like thing that happened over and over and over again. It was they just always found a, a way to lose one way or another. So it wasn't like oh they missed free throws late or you know they blew every game or they came back in every game but like still were, were short the game that was a five point game was like as close or closer than most of the two point losses too, because these games were just, it's just insane. Like there, it was like, there was a magnet that at the end of the game, no matter what the score was, they were like brought back to lose, you know, by two points. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, again, I sort of usually would look at that. I'm sort of, you know, kind of hinting here, but I would usually look at that and go, okay, like this team is obviously better than the record. Like they're, you know, their regression towards the mean, like, will be a positive one. And, you know, they'll start winning close games. But when you do it eight times out of your nine losses, and they don't really have any, like, two-point wins either, you go, like, there was something fundamentally wrong with the team at that point. You know what I mean? They say coaches win close games. Coaches win close games, you say. Yeah, and it's not like this is a team that hasn't made the tournament before. You know, they made it last year, you know, had a bit of a, you know, roster turnover a little bit but like i said preseason pick to win the league so obviously you know they were thought of relatively highly so uh just a completely bizarre season for them so i sort of like kept them in my back pocket and was like okay if they're the second best team and the second best team is really like the fifth best team which in this case is william and mary Right. Mm-hmm. That basically for me disqualifies William and Mary, right? Like I'm never going to take a two seed. That's like the fifth best team in the league. William and Mary's never made the tournament. So there's like, there isn't even like a shadow of yeah. like pedigree for this team. So when I'm looking at that bottom uh, half, uh, the seven, 10 games, nothing, Elon and Madison like, are both pretty bad. And so I'm looking then, okay, well, what's going on at the top, right? I'm sort of got Northeastern in the back pocket and I'm looking at that, that first game against Towson, but I'm like, okay, I'm going to save that for, save that for later. And, you know, of course, Hofstra won, won the league this year, right? And they, 14 and four, two, a couple of two point losses in there for themselves, right? Finished nine and one. Uh, but that one loss was a home loss to Towson. Mm-hmm. right so i'm like okay this i got and i'm sort of just like saving towson still i'm like i still like i don't i'm gonna let northeastern linger i'm gonna deal with the top half of the bracket the four or five game at charleston and delaware i don't really see much there with regards to a threat to hofstra right so i certainly think hofstra makes the finals in this league but mm-hmm. obviously i don't necessarily want to have you know the one seed cuz we're always sort of looking for a way to get out of taking the one seed and because northeastern's so good and you know a couple of these other teams are okay this isn't you know one of those leagues where they're a better than 50% chance to win right so i'm already yeah. kind of taking them out even though you know obviously a 9 9 to 1 9 and 1 finish 14 4 league is pretty good pretty good showing you know and all their stats essentially back that up like they're the best in the league in, in Ken Palm and so on and so forth. But I'm like, I have to fade them no matter what. So then it really just comes down to, okay, let's look at this Towson team. Like what's their deal. So as much as Northeastern is the second highest ranked team, like rated team on all these metrics, they're about the same as Towson is right. Towson's about yeah. a half point here or there, depending on where you look. And, you know, while there's, a ton of value, quote unquote, in Northeastern. 
they still have their hands full in that first game. And we've talked about this in our last segment about how, you know, what everybody knows what they're doing in this pool, right? Like the, the whole point of this contest is like, you're going up against people who really know what they're doing. And so there's going yeah. to be a magnetism to take Northeastern here, because again, like we normally would, we would just blindly go, you know what? They're the second rated team in the league. They're the 60, da, 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 da. But a lot of those times, you know, they probably lose this game to Towson, right? It's essentially a coin flip game in the first game. So I think here, looking at Towson, like some of their, you know, metrics and stuff, second in scoring defense, best field goal percentage defense, and it's not even close, best rebound margin, best offensive rebound possession and it, uh, percentage, and it's not even close. Uh, they started the season 0-3 and, and then just finished 12-6, and 6, which, you know, is quite the push towards, you know, the vast majority of the season. And of course have that uh, road win at Hofstra recently as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, and actually literally finished the season with a win against Northeastern as well. So they're li- they've taken out, taken out the big teams here, but I think they sort of linger in that middle ground where you're either going to take Hofstra as the one seed, if you're in this contest, or you're going to take Northeastern. I think to be honest with you, I think the majority of the contest takes Northeastern seeing the metrics being what they are. Right. And I think there's sort of like an implied implicit value to taking Towson here because again, most people are taking Northeastern for just you know, the value and the points. And I think Hofstra and Towson end up in the finals against each other. And well, uh, you know what? We got to take shots. We got to take these shots. And that's you know? it, right? Make break yeah. Again. And I think the sort of layman thing would be take Northeastern and try to get as many points as possible. But if, you know, the value precipitously drops whenever, you know, you do that, but everybody else does the same thing here. So, I'll, Absolutely. Absolutely. so we're going to take Towson here and I'm going to be like very interested to see uh, what goes down with regards to, uh, you know, the, first of all, the point spread in that game against Northeastern and then, you know, what percentage of people take Towson to win the tournament versus Northeastern versus Hofstra. If it's any other than those three, I'll be very surprised because I think that's, I think it's basically the three teams in that league. I mean, College of Charleston has like a pretty good history with regards to, you know, being good in the mm-hmm. league. Yeah. But, you know, I, I just don't think they have it this year as far as, uh, you know. No, I, I like, I like the pick because all those North, you know, as many people that are on Northeastern, they would, those people still looking are going to be afraid to take Towson for that fact. Well, sure, and, yeah. And at the end of the day, if let's say Northeastern is to win, I mean, facing Hofstra in the finals, I mean, there's a good chance the people who took Northeastern won't even collect all those champ points because yeah. we're only sacrificing at the end of the day, maybe sure. Hofstra points. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. The backup yeah. plan is that Hofstra yeah. just wins. It's kind of like with yeah. it's similar to like the Hofstra. American plan that we had that fatally went down. Uh, tonight when in that now we're just like yeah colgate's gonna win anyway it's like one of those yeah yeah, so anyway i just it was you don't often see sort of that switch there where you go oh man like william and mary the two seed is not very good and and of course when you lose that many games by two points you know that's the kind of thing that's going to happen so really interesting you got me excited for the colonial tournament you got me excited you know what that's literally the whole point of this entire exercise uh i appreciate that breakdown so from what i understand you've got a spicy one of your own and it's the summit league just dakotas dakotas as far as the (laughs) dakotas 
And I know, I think you, you transferred this to yourself last year. And I think we had probably the same conversation. Is it Sodak state? No Dak state. Sodak. No, I'm like, Oh my goodness. Uh, so anyway, so this is an interesting one, uh, Matt. I mean, basically, so we've got North Dakota state, uh, first seeds, South Dakota state who, you know, most of us, you know, the Jackrabbits, uh, we like, um, and as a two seed, they're actually favored to win the tournament. So, I mean, uh, I found some futures were there, I think around a plus 150 to win. And North, North Dakota State is the one seed is, you know, about a plus 300 or something like that. So, I mean, already it's kind of leaning towards South Dakota State just based on, you know, what coin flip game in the finals at the end of the worst case. And it's actually in, it's within like 60 miles. It's in South Dakota. It's a quote unquote neutral court. Okay, but I was going to ask, again, I was gonna ask, like I knew this was no. neutral, but I'm like, where's, are they playing this in a field in just one Dakota? Like, no, are they no. playing it on the South border Dakota. of North and South Dakota? Like, they- so that's it. So it's, it's in South Dakota. It's 60 miles from South Dakota State Campus, okay. 60 miles approximately from South Dakota University Campus. Okay. And, um, but like 300, 200, 300 miles from North Dakota State Campus, you know? Okay. Gotcha. Um, so, anyways. Um, so yeah, so I think the knee jerk reaction is to take South Dakota state just based on, you know, if it's 50, 50, why not take the two seed yeah. and head to head? They're actually, you know, sure. there was a tiebreaker that brought them a one, two seed, but looking a little bit deeper, I mean, you got to still look at South Dakota as the three seed. Oh, you know okay. what I mean? Yeah. They're, they're honestly same home court advantage they'll have, uh, throughout the tournament, uh, very strong showing by them as well. Um, so they're 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 kind of scaring me off of South Dakota State. Mm, okay. Um, so that's why I wanted to pick your brain as well, or you know, we can chat now, okay. chat a bit off air. But no, let's do it. I'm kind of going trying to go one step ahead and say, do we just go with North Dakota State? I like. Uh, well, that's that's very similar you know? to kind of what we were just talking about with regards to the colonial, exactly. where it's like you know you're you know flip it and reverse it on these people. You know, Absolutely. if that one seed is the less popular team right like that's a pretty big rarity so i from just a like strategic standpoint i have no problem doing that right if there's you know four options in a league and the one seed isn't going to be as popular as they normally are like i'm all about that i'm just gonna fire up the team ratings uh, teamrankings.com right now just because i'm interested to see (laughs) what uh what you got there where's the old summit yeah, or or Roberts is is also you know I think an a pseudo dark horse team. I, uh, I think they're you know that's yeah. that's also scaring me. But uh, well, I have to tell like you, I said, it, I have to tell you. Yeah. So in the in throughout this season, and I say this <laughs> with as little a what's the word I want to say uh, with as little tongue planted firmly in cheek as possible. I have really liked Oral this year. <laughs> Laurel Roberts has been a team that from kind of the get-go that I played a lot and I played I would play North Dakota a fair amount but those were mostly like as underdog lines same thing with Nebraska Omaha because you know you'll recall having done the Summit League in the past Nebraska Omaha hasn't exactly been you know at the forefront of the league so I do think this league is pretty deep and yeah. it's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Now that I'm looking at it, like a lot of action. 28.7% is the number right now for North Dakota state. Do you remember yeah. the results of this tournament last year by any chance? Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, 
If you don't, I feel like okay. we went. This isn't, this isn't we... like the spanky question where I expect you to answer. No, no, no. <laughs> but I feel like we went south. I feel we predicted a South Dakota versus South Dakota State final, yeah. and the opposite. Like I think you took South Dakota to win, and I think South Dakota, uh, yeah, South Dakota State won. I believe. No. So what happened was what happened was uh, <laughs> we had South Dakota State, the one seed, to win it all. Yeah. And of every single game in the almost three hundred games. In this entire thing, the biggest upset of all of those big conference, small conference, little, you know, whatever conference, (laughs) North Dakota, South Dakota, East Dakota, West Dakota, uh, Western Illinois, the eight seed knocked off South Dakota State. On that the, was it. Something on like, the very yeah. first day. Like normally, we take one of the North or South Dakotas, and they, you know, yeah. fight it out in the final. And that was the, I believe, last year was the last year of Mike Dom, who was like their like star player yeah. for like four years, exactly. right? And yeah, and they just randomly got beat by Western Illinois, who you'll note not even in the tournament this year no, because they not did not make the top eight. And yeah. And then North Dakota state, of course, pounded West Western Illinois in the very next game and then went on to win the tournament. So they were the four seed at the time. So, I mean, not that, I mean, this has nothing to do with anything with regards to this year per se, but uh, just funny that like, no, it's, it's a even, wild conference. It's even more wide open this year than it was last year when the eight seed knocked off the one and, and just an atrocious eight seed at that. So like, I'm ready for anything when it comes to this, like once that kind of stuff happens, you know, it's, it's, you know, a complete free for all in my opinion. So, I mean, the tricky thing is if you wanted to go off the board with an Oral Roberts or a Nebraska Omaha, like that's a tough one right off the bat, that four or five matchup, right. That could kind of obviously either way. So um, yeah. Yeah. So overall I'm, I'm leaning, I'm leaning North Dakota state right now. I have, you know, we'll wait till tomorrow night to make it official, but our Friday night to make it official. But uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, I just feel like it might be one of those meta plays, we'll call it, you <laughs> yeah, know, where we're, right. we're trying to think one step ahead, yeah. like two steps ahead, you know, the mind, the mind bleep. Okay. So yeah, yeah we will, uh, we'll look forward to sort of getting into that along with the point spreads in each and every one of those games. I imagine Oral Roberts probably be a small favorite maybe sort of a four or five point favorite potentially against Nebraska Omaha. Uh, I would say that South Dakota is probably going to be closer to about a six or a seven against North Dakota, though I would be interested in taking the points with North Dakota there. Uh, I imagine South Dakota state just absolutely lays it on uh, Purdue Fort Wayne. If for no other reason, because of, that first round loss last year and them not looking to bleep around. And then as far as North Dakota state, Denver's a pretty bad team as well. So, I mean, they're going to be heavily favored in that one. We'll see sort of just how heavily favored uh, they will be. So, okay. That's interesting. Uh, I like that. We kind of might be going against the grain with a one seed there. Uh, We're going to go against the grain with a one seed in the Sunbelt conference. You fired up for the belt. I am. I am. (laughs) Good. This one in in, so, in the past has been your uh, sort of, I don't want to say pet play here, but a tournament that is kind of weird because it starts this Saturday, but it goes all the way around to ending yeah. next Final day. Sunday, yeah. which yeah. is always rough because you're obviously making decisions for next Sunday, eight, nine days from now, you know a full week ahead of time. And then if you're in contention, as we have been, you know, three or four times in this contest, 
you're then like, um, I don't even remember why I decided like that this yeah. team should win this game. And, you know, there's like thousands of dollars, and you know, in the we balance. We have this much money riding on, you know, UT Arlington. Yeah, you know? <laughs> that I decided like eight days ago was a good idea. And it's like, I, I was feeling pretty loose eight days ago, but now all of a sudden they're a three and a half point underdog, you know, <laughs> against like Little Rock. And you're just like, okay, how did we get here? So uh, it's actually funny that you mentioned UT Arlington. Arlington uh, mm-hmm. as they play the first day. So uh, first day is actually kind of interesting in this one because for one, it has one of your all-time favorite teams, Louisiana Lafayette. Yep. That's my piece. <laughs> those, yeah. are your, those are your guys. Really down year. The Laffy Taffy. The Laffy Taffy. Really down year yeah. for them this year. Uh, down to an eight seed. Uh, so they're in the eight, nine game against Arkansas state. And this is one of those. That's the sort of flat as a pancake uh, bracket right where the first and second seeds get advanced all the way to the semifinals but with this one the reason it goes so long is because the first three rounds are on uh, campus sites right so home games for the yeah. for the better seed uh, and then in the semifinals they all meet up and uh, and hang out for a four-team tournament so uh, Lafayette the home team here against Arkansas State Arkansas State just an absolute disaster down the stretch of the season piling up losses at an alarming rate not enough losses to not get themselves knocked out of this tournament because troy and louisiana monroe were like guys we've got this we are not showing up to this tournament we are atrocious we are maxing out at five games this year if you want us to show up for this tournament somebody's got to screw something up in a really big way so should mention that that two teams are out of it before it began and frankly it wasn't even that close so uh laugh yet we're going to take is that eight seed probably have them favored by a decent margin over an arkansas state team that's pretty brutal uh probably call it about five five and a half uh but we'll see where that line ends up on saturday and then in the other one the seven and seven ten game is the aforementioned ut arlington uh-huh. and ut arlington actually one of the better teams in the conference but some, right. but somehow managed to trip and fall themselves all the way down to the seven seed. So you've got this sort of dangerous team, but the bad news for them is that they've got to deal with five games, you know, to get to win the tournament. So at some point, that's going to be an issue. Of course, the first one's at home, and, a, and of course, a pretty easy one. But they're literally the third ranked team in Ken Palm in this league yeah. and ended up as a seven seed. And so you go, okay, like that's a very dangerous team in any one given game. But when you start looking at the route that they have to take to get anywhere, it's really, really daunting because on top of that, that's the better half of the draw. And by better half, I mean like literally the teams are better, the the part that you don't want to be in. So they have to win a home game against Coastal Carolina, which is not a terrible team. Again, the terrible dividing line conveniently worked out right about the, right about the top 10 teams. So they're actually a decent team. And I would say they're even better than Arkansas state. So, you know, unfortunate for Coastal Carolina that they are kind of like, you know, sort of around the top five, top six in the league, 
but you know, just based on the record, they end up as the 10 seed and having to deal with the third best team in the league, who I literally watched on Friday go to like triple overtime with Texas State, who I think is the best team in the league. So Arlington can play with anybody. So I fully expect them to win against Coastal Carolina, but it's not going to be as easy necessarily as you might think. Mm-hmm. And then two days later, now they got to go on the road, right? So now they have these two straight road games potentially where they have to go to App State Right. And then they have to go to Texas State. And as I just mentioned, Texas State's the best team in this conference, according to pretty much all the ratings. Right. And they're a team, even though they were like a very kind of strange route that they took to being the best team. But they're, you know, they were picked fifth in the preseason, 0-3 start, 1-4 start after a loss to Troy. It's literally like Troy's greatest moment in the history of the, fran- of the, of the <laughs> franchise, of the school. And after that, they then went on a bit of a tear, uh, you know, moving their way slowly up the standings. They weren't able to get into that vaunted, like, top two position. So now they get stuck in that third spot. Now, it's not a bad spot for them because they get that home game in the quarterfinals and then, you know, two days off. Uh, Thursday and Friday off before going, you know, to do the neutral site thing uh, on the Saturday, you know, so UT Arlington is running basically right into a buzzsaw at, you know, against Texas state. So you can't really trust them on the flip side, Texas state has to play that first game against probably a, a, you know, obviously a pretty good team, assuming Arlington gets that, that gets that far. And then they have to go to South, they have to play South Alabama in the semifinals. Well, South Alabama just happens to be the hottest team in the Sun Belt. So they've won eight straight and were the preseason pick to be the best team in the league. So you're looking at the bottom half of this bracket and you're going hottest team who was the preseason top choice, the, you know, ratings leader in Texas state and this dark horse of a seven seed lingering back there as the third best team, according to the ratings. And so automatically then I go, you know what? we'll figure all of that stuff out as the game goes by. And I'm going to look at the top half of this bracket for our champion. And people, you know, we'll start looking at little rock number one seed, obviously have a spot in the semifinals, but little rock is like the fourth best team in this conference. According to Ken Palm, they were picked dead last in the sunbelt preseason polls uh, in you know all the publications and that sort of thing, they pretty much shocked the league to a five and zero start, and then just kind of rode that the rest of the way. And the thing with Little Rock, and I talked about this in handicapping a game earlier this week with them, they're a good team, and they did well in the standings in that they piled up a bunch of wins, but they're not, you know, you don't fall backwards if you sort of start playing badly or sort of back to your normal level right you've you've already banked the wins once you get your 10th win you're not getting subtracted a win just because you haven't actually beat anybody in the league so they have no bad losses except actually they did lose to troy but other than that they pretty much took care of home court in a lot of in a lot of ways and a couple of their home losses were to really good teams they would go on the road and they would beat who they were supposed to beat, but they would never beat one of these top teams on the road. So it's all kind of a little bit fraudulent as the number one seed. So I think they're right for the picking in a neutral court situation. So then you go, okay, who else is there? And there's Georgia Southern and there's Georgia State. Well, I started with Georgia State because they have the home court advantage should Georgia Southern 
play uh, and move on to the quarterfinals to play Georgia State. Georgia State, four guys in double figures, second in three-point three field goal percentage, third in three-point field goal percentage defense, first on just regular field goal percentage defense, second in offensive rebounds. They've Three of their losses were late in the season, but they were on the road to Arlington, on the road to Texas State, and against Georgia Southern. Now you might say, wait a minute, Georgia Southern is the team they're going to play. That game was at Georgia State, but I think obviously in – the quote-unquote playoffs in the conference tournament that's got revenge game at home written all over it to me and they would be higher ranked i should say higher in the standings except they had two random losses to troy this season so somehow troy by the way who won five games the entire year beat little rock once and georgia state twice so i don't even know like what they were doing the rest of the time but how they beat the you know, two of the top teams in the league, you know, three times is completely beyond me. But I think Georgia State gets the home win in revenge against Georgia Southern and then goes to the neutral site, beats Little Rock, and then faces one of those really good teams. That's what we okay. got, a little four-seed action, which we don't have a ton of. But I think in these sort of flatter ones, when you get to a neutral site for the semifinals, that's you know, the four seeds become a little bit more appealing because you don't have to worry about the you know, four or five game being on a neutral court, right? They get the home court for that. No, and I think in the tournament, I think these court. types of picks are the key to separate, you know, if they hit assumedly, this is where the separation is sure. happening compared to, you know, what the standings are now. And in the first, you know, the first week, even yeah. in the second week, when that's when these champ points come in and these long shot hits make a difference. Yeah. Oh, for sure. When we're watching championship Absolutely. games and Absolutely. you have one of the teams in there and you're like, holy cow, this yeah. is worth like three or four points. And, you know, especially when they're going against a one seed or somebody high up and you're like, okay, the other team like is going to have a lot of people backing them. And this, these are where the games get swung, right? They cumulatively, they get swung on the coin flip games that we've struggled yeah. with so far. This, thing, this but we've uh, actually had to bet against ourselves sometimes on our, as a hedge. You know what I mean? We've actually, but you know, for the actual <laughs> game pick, We've gone against, you know, our right. wins sometimes just because, yeah. like, you know, it's so valuable. Do you have any plays for tomorrow's games of conferences that have sort of already started that we may have talked um, about so I mean, in the week? Like, so right what's, now what's the in the Big like? South, there's going to be uh, Gardner-Webb versus Winthrop tomorrow. Um, so, oh, okay, you know, Winthrop trucked SC Upstate in the quarter. And you know, <laughs> yes, yeah. I looked at that score and they had a hundred <laughs> points, and there was still four. Um, so you know, to be honest, I think I think Winthrop will be favored, but as you know, I, I'm gonna take yeah um, sure. G Web. Oh yeah, yeah. I think that's probably probably gonna be close to like yeah. eight nine type of point spread. To be honest with you, just the yeah. way that Winthrop can score sort of yeah. scares the. So crowd this will be big for us. This is exactly what I was just saying. You know, I looked at the the percentages mm-hmm. and, you know, again, I think it was less than 10% took Gardner-Webb in this conference. Yeah. But I don't know if you were paying attention to it. Like, I was going to text you today and ask you, like, at what point do I start thinking that Charleston Southern has a chance to knock off Radford? Yeah. Because they were leading in the second half. No, that's okay. So we, we faded Radford anyway. So, I, I you know, if Hampton, like these two players, yeah. you know, they blow up, have a big day. I mean, I'd, I'd love to see Radford get uh, kicked out, you know? 
Yeah, exactly. That's why I was like, is it possible yeah. that they're so, actually I mean, going to get knocked out here? But then I flipped back and like, they're pretty sure they covered the large spread. <laughs> like they just destroyed them in the last 10 minutes, but it was such a flirtation. Looking, uh, looking at the Saturday the, uh, and yeah. the NEC, I mean, we have Sacred Heart uh, against the good St. Francis. Uh, so, which I think will be a, a yeah. really exciting game to watch. I'm glad it's Saturday uh, early. We'll watch that on our favorite uh, new app, NEC Front Row. Um, and then I think mm-hmm. yeah. I think I'm gonna fade Romo up top. I think uh, I think uh, Long yeah. Island of Brooklyn will be a, a decent play in that game. Yeah, I like that. I like that too. I think we're gonna yeah. get a handful of points on that one, yeah. and we will take those points. Yeah. On my side of things, yeah, I, mean, I just mentioned the Sanford VMI. I don't have a ton for you with regards to uh, the Missouri Valley. I guess actually, there's some quarterfinal action there. Let me just pull that. Uh, up i do have a couple of plays there mm-hmm. i will be on southern illinois i did talk about that uh, in my valley preview on thursday uh drake is up against northern iowa uh that one might be worth a look for northern iowa sort of depending on what the line is there if that's anywhere near sort of the 10 11 range i think northern iowa uh blows out drake in that one uh, Missouri State, of course, is the team, the sixth seed that we have winning this tournament. So I'm really interested to see what that line is. I think they may be favored against Indiana State. Um, but that being said, we'll be betting on Missouri State because even if they are favored, it's not going to be any more than sort of three or four points. Um, and then it looks like Valparaiso is going to predictably take care of Evansville. So they're going up against Loyola Chicago. Loyola Chicago will be pretty decent favorite in that game. And I might be looking at Valparaiso plus a bunch of points in that one. All right, buddy. Thanks. Uh, thanks again. And thanks we again for having me to you on Sunday. Okay. When we come back, I will have the official plays uh, for Friday's conference tournament action. And we're going to get to that after the break. <laughs> Okay, always good chopping it up with Ashish, especially conference tournament time. Like I said, he'll be back on Sunday for the tournaments that start next week. So just a quick recap of what we've got for Friday. Uh, I will be playing VMI. Uh, I actually bet this at minus four, and it's actually down to three. I somewhat understand that. Sanford just beat them at the end of the season at home. But again, I think Sanford, uh, way different team away from home, uh, tendency to sort of I don't want to use the word quit, but if they get down, that could get ugly in a hurry. I expect a bounce-back performance from BMI. Elsewhere in the SoCon, no play for me with Citadel and Wofford. Um, I made the number 15. The number's about 15. So uh, nothing for me there. Wofford's certainly capable of blowing them out and, uh, and did so relatively recently, I believe. Um, over in the Big South, we're all underdogs for the Big South. Uh, and as far as Gardner-Webb and Winthrop is concerned, uh, I'm going to play Gardner-Webb on the money line here. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to add a couple of high money line favorites here just to try to get a little more out of this if it hits. So I'm going to play a half unit on a money line parlay with Gardner-Webb at plus 200. But we're going to throw on top of that Northern Iowa and then we're going to take Utah State 
uh, on top of that. And then the other one is Wofford and San Diego State, right? So a bunch of those teams that I'm quite certain are going to win. Maybe the one that has the most opportunity or chance of losing might be Northern Iowa. But that's a game that gets going early on. And you might not even be listening to this podcast by the time that game started. So feel free to just hit the Wofford, San Diego State, and Belmont side of things. If Northern Iowa happens to lose... I will take another half unit shot with Gardner Webb um, on that money line for you know what could potentially be a full unit risk, but if Northern Iowa wins, it'll just be a half unit risk. Uh, elsewhere in the Big South, we're going to go with Hampton plus ten and a half points. We're going out on a limb with regards to the conference tournament contest and going to take them outright against Radford. It behooves us to have Radford getting knocked out anyway, as we are all aboard the Gardner-Webb side of things. And, you know, if Gardner-Webb happens to beat Winthrop, then, you know, we'll be doubly fans of Hampton. And I think having shown some ability to play some defense against Longwood last night, which is always the sort of issue with Hampton, and Radford's inability to... I don't want to say inability because they ended up winning that game relatively comfortably, but, you know, at least for the first half and first third, you know, almost 30 minutes of that game, quite competitive against a Charleston Southern team that, you know, is eighth seed in the Big South. So, you know, not a good team by any stretch of the imagination. And if you sort of come out slow like that, there's a very real possibility that Hampton can run up some points on you pretty quick. So let's take Hampton to keep that one close at plus 10 and a half and maybe we run into a couple of extra points against the field in our contest if they win that game. Uh, Elsewhere in the conference tournament slate over in the Ohio Valley, uh, like I said, I'll throw Belmont into a couple of parlays here and there just to juice that up. I think they win comfortably, but the number uh, is at about 12 right now, I believe, and that's about where I had it at 12 and a half, so there's no real value for me there. Um, I will take Austin P to win outright. We talked about them as a possible tournament winner here, uh, and at that number of plus one and a half is certainly uh, good enough for me to take a shot with Austin P. Over in the Missouri Valley, this is sort of my favorite games of the day, so to speak. Uh, Missouri State, I kind of, you know, we talked about it just now. Uh, with Ashish about how I thought it would be three to four points here potentially for Miz- uh, Missouri State. I grabbed them at one and a half. Uh, the number's actually you know, leaning towards me at two right now. I think that's still worth the play on Missouri State. And on the flip side, Southern Illinois plus five and a half. I took them outright in the contest, so five and a half points is more than enough for me in that one. Uh, the Northern Iowa game scaring me off a little bit. I was saying that you know, if it was anything under double digits, that might be worth a look. Uh, Drake did look pretty good yesterday, but I don't know. This number having sort of dipped from nine and a half to eight and a half uh, gives me a little bit of pause. So I'm just going to cheer for Northern Iowa to win that game outright to save me uh, a little bit of risk on the Gardner-Webb game. And then finally, Valpo plus five. Not as many points as I was hoping to get with Valpo, so that does sort of take a little steam out of me there. I will probably end up still betting Valpo plus the five as, you know, while there's not necessarily a value play on it, getting more points than 
you know, we should be getting, because I do have that number lined about five, five and a half. Um, I think just, you know, they've played two games against uh, Loyola Chicago this year that were both highly competitive, you know, three or four point games, uh, both home and uh, on the road. So, you know, neutral site, I think that's, uh, you know, a spot where Valpo could play a little bit better than, uh, certainly a lot better than they played yesterday. And, uh, and I think that's a, a pretty good matchup for, uh, for a close game. Uh, and that's it with regards to the conference tournament stuff. Uh, plan for this weekend, we're going to do a pod tonight, Friday night, to get you ready for Saturday. Um, we'll try to have as many of the lines as possible for, you know, we'll project lines for the game, the conference tournament games that, you know, won't have actual official lines for. Uh, and of course, a full regular season slate, a ton, all finales for all these teams. So we'll do our best to kind of break down what we expect uh, for these last games. And we'll try to kind of find the five best games to watch if maybe you're not necessarily betting on these games yet and you're you know, just kind of doing your prep for March Madness and the NCAA tournament and what games that you should be looking for with regards to you know, that type of research, right? Uh, you know, one, for example, Florida and Kentucky, I think, will be a really, really interesting game. Uh, USC, UCLA will be on that list. So that type of thing. So we will uh, talk to you again uh, later on tonight. And until then, we'll see you at the window.